0: G'day guys, hope you had a great Christmas and you got out for some spearfishing. Happy New Year and welcome back to the new Spirit Podcast 2016. We are launching the start of Season 2 today, which is pretty exciting because we've made a whole heap of changes to improve the show. A uh, big thank you to the listeners that contributed in our survey, um, so we've taken some of that feedback on board, made some improvements. We also welcome aboard the team, Pat Dwyer, he's our uh, intern podcast producer and he's 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 taken wickets and uh, so we hope you enjoy some of these new changes that are coming up. Also another exciting bit of news, we're, we're running our very first competition on Facebook and Instagram, um, so you can get involved with that. Uh, at NoobSpero.com, but basically we're going to be giving away a set of Noob Spiro Edition custom penetrator blades, and all the details will be at newspiro.com. so look out for that, really looking forward to giving away a set of these beautiful fins to one of our listeners. So anyway, welcome to Season 2, hope you enjoy it, here's Turbo.
1: Yeah, g'day guys, so today we're speaking with legendary South African Spiro, Chris Coates, And uh, he's coming to us from Qatar. So, uh, yeah, he's off on another one of his spearfishing adventures. We've got a great show in store for you. He's going to talk to us all about burley and how to use it effectively. If you think you knew how to use burley, you might be making a few mistakes. So, yeah, he's got some really great tips there and flashes. Once again, I just thought it was a matter of just putting something shiny in the water. But, um, yeah, you'll you'll soon find out that Chris has got a few uh, ideas about that. And he also speak to us, speaks to us about noise and the different species and how he uses them. And yeah, like I mean, the guy's been sparing for a long time.
0: Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Adreno Spearfishing Supplies. Adreno is one of the world's biggest and best spearfishing stores. You can visit Adreno online at spearfishing.com.au or in store at their Brisbane or Sydney locations.
2: They wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water. And that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet. And I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. So when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hot spots, it's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear. Don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: actually started off in stubbies with a buddy, belt with a pig knife on it. And I've seen this big fin break the surface, roll into the water, look down, here's this nice Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed and all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of netting anyway. (laughs) Oh
0: yeah. Welcome to the start of season two. Today we chat to born and bred South African owner-operator of Coatsman Spearfishing Safaris. He co-founded In the Zone Productions with another former guest on the show, Richard Leonard. Currently he's traveling the planet guiding and coaching sparrows while developing a course in collaboration with some of the planet's best spiros, Welcome to the show, Chris Coates. How
1: are
2: you guys? How are you, mate? Good to be here. Very good. Good to be here. You guys got me up nice and early for this one. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should get up early. It's good for you. <laughs> Thanks
1: for joining us, Chris. The um, Mate, we saw on Instagram yesterday, uh, you shot a fairly big AJ. So um, tell us all about that. Where are you at the moment?
2: Yeah, at the moment, I'm in uh, Qatar, just uh, catching up with uh, some friends um, yeah, and um, yeah, you know, they get they get some good AJs. You know, when you're here, you, you normally you get pretty sidetracked uh, chasing uh, big Spanish mackerel. I mean, the mackerel get really big. here. I mean, every trip, you know, I've been here, I've got fish around the twenty-seven to thirty kilogram mark. You know, so there's always nice yeah. big Spanish max. Wow. Um, but the one fish I haven't got was uh, a decent AJ, and um, yeah, like this, it's middle of winter here now. And it's sort of um, kind of more AJ season, so um, yeah, yesterday I was like, okay, right, I'm going to leave the Spanish Max, I'm going to try to find myself a decent AJ. So yeah, happy to tick that box.
1: That must have been a pretty difficult decision for a South African, I'd imagine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've shot a good few Spanish Max, yeah. yeah.
1: You guys seem to love them over there, don't you?
2: Yeah, you, you, you hear that? That's my alarm. That's supposed to have gone off.
0: Is that when we were <laughs> meant to interview you? I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, good stuff. No, yeah, thanks for getting up early for us over there in Qatar, Chris. So, um, look, where, where did you actually get started spearfishing, and, and how long have you been at it?
2: Um, I've probably been spearfishing for almost thirty years. Um, started. Um, I, I can't remember when I started. Darwin. Um, just grew up on the beach catching crayfish and, Octopus and things like that. But I remember I bought a small, um, champion, plastic champion Cavalero spear gun. It must have been like a 50 centimeter from some chap. And, and back then I remember it was 50 South African rand, which probably in today's money equates to, oh, probably like just a couple dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and, of uh, yeah, I stole a washing line and found a, a float that had washed like a um, like a trawler net float that washed up on the beach, oh, and then yeah. that was oh. my boy. And went out and shot a whole lot of what we call um, stone bream or stinkies <laughs> because they eat uh, um, they eat uh, like the Wheat. seaweed in it yeah. and it kind of ferments in their stomach. So they when you gut them, they're really pong. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, that was like my first uh, spearfishing experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, we, we've got some similar fish over here. We don't call them stinkies, but I think we're going to start. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So did you did you have a, an ent- a mentor starting out or did you have buddies that you went out with?
2: Yeah, when I started out, um, a lot of it was just crayfishing and that kind of thing. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, Warren Blackmore, we dived together for a few years, but it was a serious case of the blind leading the blind. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't you know, this is pre. this is long before internet days and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, even books were hard to come by being all the way out in South Africa, there were no magazines. Yep. Um, you know, so we kind of just fumbled along, you know, and, and the, and the whole learning process was really long and yep. drawn out. I and mean, it took us years to, um, even shoot a Spanish Mac, you know, it was like, when growing up, that was like, man if you could shoot a spanish mac you must be insane like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can like, you must be an awesome spearer yeah
1: like,
2: superhuman you know to shoot one of those things i mean honestly it was um it was so far out there um, to shoot a fish like that and um you know when once we learned that it's it's actually not that difficult you know it was just you know being in the right place having the right gear um you know it, it actually became quite easy so, what
0: you're using, a, like those the guns back then were, were really small, and you had a thin diameter
2: shaft. I'd imagine. Um, no, we progressed quite quickly to um, the early Rob Allen guns. Yep. Uh, no, that was that was probably the one upside okay. that we did. Um, I live probably about an hour away from uh, Durban, yep. uh, where Rob Allen has his factory, so we were able to go in and, and at least I mean. You know, Rob Allen's early guns were were very effective, you know, and and I think they they kind of took, um, uh, especially Australia by storm, you know, in the early days. Um, They were very effective. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we dived with. And even, I mean, the guns haven't actually changed all that much um, now until recent years with roller guns and things like that. But, you know, for the last 20 years, I mean, that's pretty much what we've used, the same thing. They've just kind of modernized, that's all.
0: We interviewed Rob uh, a couple of months back, and he's still in development of a roller muzzle. But now his guns remain pretty effective and a, a great gun um, still. Um, people, it's still a very—I think it's still probably the most popular gun to buy in Australia. So, um, so apart from sort of like not having probably the access to the resources that we've got today, and um, what was your
2: what was some of your other biggest challenges getting started? Well. Um... The big thing out where we were is that we didn't have anybody who dived with boats. And everything is shore diving. So it's a pro and a con because shore diving, you know, it really separates the men from the boys. um, And, you know, well, obviously surfing and diving, I mean, we were in the sea the whole time, so it wasn't really a big thing. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that we didn't boat dive. So, um, you know, diving in deeper spots was probably – the one thing we weren't exposed to so okay the local spots that we dive from ashore that only go to about 18 19 meters so yeah. that was kind of your comfort zone anything okay. past that was was uh, um you know it was just foreign yeah, yeah, yeah. and and even today I, I you know it's when i get stuck at home sometimes and i don't um you know we don't land up boat diving for a while mm. um you know, your, your diving kind of slips back into this sort of like comfort area, you know, where you're happy in, in 18, 19 meters. And then when you suddenly go and have to go and dive in the 30s, mm-hmm. you know, it takes you, it takes you a couple of days to sort of climatize, you yeah. know, because you kind of get used to what, you, um, what you've been diving.
0: Yeah, yeah, Turbo was looking at me, uh, going, "Yeah, yeah, I've acclimatized to 30 meters." <laughs> we we probably don't do much diving past 30 meters very often, Chris. So, but um, yeah, I can I, I know what you mean by getting getting in a comfort zone with a certain depth when you're shore diving, and then heading it out a bit wider and being really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just
2: exposure, you know. Like you, I mean, I mean a classic example. I mean, you guys going, "Oh, suddenly 30 meters." It's um, if you had to go and dive in. Warm blue water where you're diving, where you can dive as deep, deep as you want to go. Um, it doesn't take um, most guys long, you know, a couple of weeks or, you know, just doing, if you live there for a little bit, you know, suddenly most, most guys actually find, you know, 25, 30 quite comfortable. Mm, okay. uh, it's, it's really, it, that's one of the things about spearfishing. It's, it's, um, you know, if you live in a place that's cold, and murky, and you're only diving, you know, 15 meters, you know, that's, that's what you're comfortable with. And, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, you take the, you, you go out of that into something else. Um, it is difficult. It is difficult to suddenly, and it seems sort of like a um, whole, oh, I was going to say mind fuck, but.
1: Yeah, well, Chris, you must have shot, you know, well, you have shot a lot of great fish in your lifetime. Is there any one fish that you sort of shot or had a battle with or you, you lost that sort of stands out in your mind as, you know, that most memorable fish? It took me ages to think of one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like just to think of like one that really stood out. Yeah. And, yeah, um, probably the fish that kind of really stands out that always, always comes into that list is, is got to be that, that marlin that I shot's in Mozambique. Um, Is that on you know, the uh, Mozambique? film? Yeah. yeah mm. That's the one. You know, we weren't even going to go diving and the wind, the wind turned, the water cleaned up and we'd been in Mozambique for like almost a month. Wow. And we were already like, like two days over June. Everyone was like, man, we've got to go home. We've got to go home. <laughs> it was like, I looked at the water. I was like, ah, no. No, <laughs> we have around in crap water for like two weeks. You know, the, the water's finally good, you know, and, and we just... I said sort of, okay, right, we'll give it a morning, quick one, you know. And literally, we we drove out there, jumped off the boats and yeah. let down the flasher. And I did like one half warm-up dive, and there were some rainbow runners. Hit the surface, and I'm like uh, 30 seconds, then I'm doing a, a breathe-up. Yep. And, I, and I see this fish come in, and I dived down. I probably only dive down about oh, five or six meters or so.
1: Brilliant.
2: And, and I'm... I met it coming up towards me and uh, yeah, I switched it off. Wow. And it's like, yeah, I was like just, so you you stoned it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, you know what the funny thing was that morning we were sitting on the boat and um, the guys, I asked the guys to pull out um, like an extra float and everything. And the guys go, why are you doing this? I said, well, like I said, hey, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you know someone shoots a like a, a marlin or something. <laughs> like I said that I said someone shoots a marlin or something. You've got to be ready, you know, because I like guys often ask me like, what was I thinking? You know, <laughs> yeah. because I only had a real gun, wow. and um, but on my reel I had a um, hundred meters of of Dyneema on my reel, yeah. um, and then my gun was attached to the bungee to my belt reel, which had a hundred meters of line on it. Mm. Um, I had a float, um, like a, a one of those hard rod Allen floats, yeah. clipped onto my flasher on the surface. Ah, okay. You know, so so if you do shoot something big, you know it'll finish your your reel line on your gun like within a few seconds, mm. um, like 20 seconds or whatever, and then it'll go into your belt reel line. But then, you know, by then you should normally be able to get back to your your flasher and you just clip clip that float onto your flasher line. Yeah. eject your um belt reel, you know and, and now you've got 200 meters of line and a float mm. I mean there's not a lot of fish that that are gonna um you know pull Take that down. under yeah know. yeah what, you what know so that, that was that, that was the thinking in the back of my head and I think um that's why I didn't hesitate on the shot because I just thought um I'd kind of in my mind already like prepared mm. and mm. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's an uh, that's a key to good spearfishing is being prepared. So you don't you don't hesitate because as soon as you hesitate, that's when you start pulling shots that are bad. Yeah. And you know you don't make shots or you 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 miss out on shots. You know, even today, like I'll dive and if I hesitate on something, I'm 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 not sure about the shot. It's amazing how quickly a sh- an opportunity becomes a non-opportunity. Yeah, way or something. I can relate. So. Yeah, even mentally mentally prepared is, is brilliant, you know?
0: How how addictive is the sound of that reel just having line just
2: peeled off it like that? Oh you shoot a big Wahoo or something like that, it's oh it's super fun. Look, I mean there, there's a classic one, we could chat about gear and stuff all day. Yeah. Like shooting Wahoo with a with a um like a blue water bungee and a in a float, it's probably way more effective than a than a reel. Oh okay. But uh, well, you know, that that's just what I've seen. Mm. Like, yeah, shooting it with a reel is a whole lot more fun, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Um, so, look, just moving on to the next section, um, hunting technique. What's your favorite spearfishing hunting technique and how do you
2: apply it effectively? I think the, I thought long and hard about this because there's obviously so many different things and they're like, you know, there's so many, like depends on what you're hunting. But I think the overall thing that has kind of developed in my hunting over the last um say five or six years you know just diving with lots of um, different guys from around the world is the effective use of use of um, sorry the effective use of noise okay mm-hmm. so um to attract fish you know sometimes and when I say noise sometimes total silence obviously works as well, so um, knowing when and how to um, make noise mm. and uh, the different types of noise you know sometimes you know like like a, a real loud banging on, a, on your gun or, or rattling sometimes that sh- that works mm. sometimes it's a, just a, a subtle croak or a clicking in your mouth um, and they, they wor- the thing is that they work for all fish you know um, from you know when you're hunting snapper they sometimes like a bit of a croak mm. to you know Spanish mackerel. They like a little bit of noise. Wahoo like noise. Like all your game fish um, generally like noise.
0: Okay,
2: um, but it's it's knowing when to when to make the noise and um, and like how long and that, and that kind of thing. Mm. And it's a bit of a trial and error, and it's something that that you you kind of um, have to work on through your diving. Yeah, and I think it's just something great for guys to know that you can. Use noise as a as a as a i'd say even more effective tool than than a lot of flashes and burly and stuff like that to get a fish to come close to you mm,
0: okay so yeah with 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 you with your learning curve, have you sort of observed some of the other guys you're diving with using that using that noise as a technique and and then just sort of applying it yourself or have you just sort of done
2: it instinctively no 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 no, no. Um, definitely seeing other people do it. And, um, do it effectively. You know, the thing is, I always knew that noise was, you know, cause people, people speak about it and it's written. It's not a secret or anything. You know, it's, it's well documented. But until you see someone actually, um, using it well, um, then, you know, it doesn't really click in your, your mind and you, and you actually start applying it properly. Um, I'll give you a classic one. And this is a great one to start with. Um, like shooting things like snapper reef fish. Mm. They, they like noise but not harsh noise. I like sort of like a, like a low grunting or a, or a croaking in the throat. Okay. But but I found, um, that they, they don't like it when they're looking at you. So you see a fish come in and then he turns away and he starts swimming away and then you make a a few subtle noises. Okay. And then he gets curious because he goes like, "Mm, you can't really see what, see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So he'll turn around again, he'll give you another glance, and then you keep very quiet and still when he when he turns around, then you'll swim away again, and as he swims away again you make another noise. And I think it just uh you know, you, you play with their mind and eventually they turn around, they swim right up to you and you know. And uh, when you do that, I think yeah, you know, there's That's good. Then okay. Uh, spear spearfishing gets really fun when you start yeah, doing stuff. Yeah, I like that. I'm
0: connecting a few dots as you just sort of laying yeah. there out, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to try some of that next time I'm out.
1: So, no, that's good. I like it. Yeah, You've got to be able to hold bottom time to do that. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll I'll be, be, I'll be doing you. that then, won't
2: I, Brown? <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, go, go dive, I dive nice and shallow when you when you when you're trying to uh, puzzle fish out like that. You know, that's not. Yeah, uh, um, yeah that's not in the thirty meter zone. Eh? That's no. that's much shallower mm-hmm. than that.
1: All right. Um, Chris, you've been diving for, you said, 30 years. Mate, have you had any near misses or scary moments out on the water?
2: Yeah, uh, I actually have. Um, And it actually relates to something of what I was talking about earlier. You know, I must have been about 20 years old and I went up to a place what we call Sardwana, which is um, about a couple hundred k's up the coast. Um, And Back then, all I'd been doing was shore diving. I'd never actually dived off a boat. And um, um, the place isn't actually the right sort of place to shore dive, but there is a reef offshore. And I swam out there um, shore diving, and um, I saw some boats, like about a K out of sea, and um, I thought, hey, they must be on a reef. I'll swim out there. (laughs) And when I got there, some guy said to me, what the hell are you doing out here? I said, I am." I don't know. I'm spear fishing. <laughs> <laughs> goes no, mate. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, you're mad. You know, so. so yeah. But anyway, he said, look, they um they're going spear fishing in the afternoon off the boat. You know, the, um, climb on the boat. He'll take me back to the beach, and and afternoon we'll go go diving. And I was like, hey, oh no, one way because the water was so clear. I mean, misunderstand. There, the water was like forty meter viz. Wow, I mean, I, like I was looking at, I was like how on earth are you supposed to shoot fish in, in this? Because I can't see fish coming. And you can see, you can see a fish coming from a mile away mm-hmm. and I just wasn't seeing fish. So anyway, we went, um, I co- hooked up in that, that afternoon and went out to a reef and it's probably about in the 25 meter zone yep. and in mind that my shore diving was 18 meters, yep. 19 meters max, mm. absolute max. Um, and I remember that day my my boy line was twenty-five meters long. <laughs> yeah. And I had a um had a small bungee of about two meters on it. And in those days, this was a pre-real gun sort of um diving days. Um we used to dive with two guns all the time. So I dived at the um one point two and a one one. Mm-hmm. And the one one was on what we call the piggyback line. It's about a a two-meter line with a um a one inch stainless steel ring that used to slide up and down your, um, boy line.
0: Okay.
2: And um, I remember getting to the bottom and, um, looking and not, well, I remember, I remember getting to the bottom and not being able to get to the bottom, holding my 1.2. I had to take the, the smaller gun that was on the piggyback line and just to give me an extra two meters to be able to reach the bottom. So uh, it guess. was pretty much in 25 meters and, yep. and that was deeper than I'd ever doubt. You know, it was um, definitely, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I'd never, ever got to the bottom of my boil line before. Yeah. And it was so clean. I was looking around and going, I can't see any fish. You know, I'm not going to shoot anything. So I was looking around the reef because it's like a coral reef. And where we are, we don't have coral reefs. And there's like these little fish swimming around. And then I remember going, geez, like I've actually been here too, way too long. I've got to get out of here. <laughs> started Started swimming up to the surface. And... I came up like on a midwater somewhere, smack bang, underneath a whale shark.
0: Oh wow. Oh, yeah.
2: So like now, I mean, I'd left the bottom already needing air. I come up underneath this whale shark and I mean it like totally took me by surprise. Um and it was massive. And I'd never seen a whale shark in the water before. So like now I'm looking at this whale shark going, Wow, look at this whale shark. <laughs> kind of had to swim swim around a little bit. And then, you know I mean Nowadays you know when when there's a whale shark, there's generally other fish with it. Next thing is a whole big shoal shoal of um what we call Fulvi kingfish, fulvigatus, I think so uh you the Aussies call them like I think it's a yellow spot. Okay. Oh, I uh, and um they they came swimming around. Um, the whole shoal in, from underneath the the whale shark. And I was going like, Man, I've never seen fish like that before. Mm-hmm. You know. And here's, here's my chance, you know. So now I'm, you know, three, like I'm three stages down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> should have left earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Got sidetracked by a whale shark. Now I'm getting sidetracked by a fish. Yep. So I shoot, I shoot this, um, so I'm hold, remember, I'm holding the small gun. I shoot the, the this uh, full V. And in tri- typical um, Trevelli fashion, kingfish fashion, it goes straight down into the reef. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but now i'm I'm trying to sum up with my other gun because I think I don't want to let my other gun go down there, yeah you know yeah. but the that stainless steel ring had got um, jammed over the shark clip oh, on no. the one, so now I'm busy trying to like um, feed that like trying to undo it so I could feed the line through that ring yeah and I was like, you know so now now I'm like five or six things mm-hmm. down you know <laughs> and I remember just going. Remember bailing it. That's the last thing I remember. Is actually leaving it and starting to head for the surface. The the next thing I remember is actually I woke up basically holding the float. Oh no! Oh wow! And what happened was, oh, yeah. I, and I think it was fortunate it's because of the short line, my the float was right on the surface, mm. and I and I probably came up right next to the float, the float, and just out of in- instinct, just grabbed it. Yeah. Uh, and um, now obviously when you black out, you, you know, you kind of, your memory of, you know, blacks out before you black out. Yep. So you, know, you don't really remember what happens for a few seconds before. So that's why I don't remember actually getting to the surface and grabbing my floats, but I, all I remember is um, waking up on my boy. And one of the things I'd, I'd made a, a, like a chronic error, you know, and this is obviously the first time I'd been out in the boat. I had swum away from everybody else. I was probably, oh, and I don't even know how far away I was. It took, I mean, I tried to dive down again afterwards because, you know, and and retrieve the fish, which is another disaster and all that, you know. um, And I was there for like 10 minutes before the boat got back to me. And, you know, that day could have seriously turned out um, differently. And, uh, yeah, you know, blackouts happen yeah it's be a thing, yeah and, yep. and um, you know when they happen, I say to you guys, you know, don't be freaked out about it, just yeah. make it your goal that it never happens again, yeah you know, um you know be grateful that you've had had the learning experience mm. to actually know, hang on a second, this does really happen, and uh yeah, I think from that day i pretty pretty much dived pretty safe you know i I haven't come close you know since then no. There's always a there's always that time when, you know, when uh, oh you know, you're gonna get yourself in a tight spot or something, and it, yeah, and you, you know, but you not something you aim for.
0: Sounds like you learned a lot of lessons from it, though. Like you, you know, you isolated in on, um, you know, staying with the guys, and you know, obviously leaving a bit more in reserve on the way up because you ran into a whale shark, then a school of fish, then. You shot a fish and then, you know, you wanted to take a gun with you. You had a short float line. There's, there's a number of sort of factors in there that sort of ex- affected that experience. But I guess, yeah, like you survived and you've learned some lessons from it. So it's all good.
2: Yeah, there's a whole lot of little things there, you know. Um, but your main thing is just diving well within your limits, mm. knowing your limits. And, yep. I mean, the guys say this over and over again, but it really, I mean, it, it really just is that. And, mm. and never turn around for a fish. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is something I've learned. Like the times I've come close to to like feeling that I've got I've pushed it too hard. I've been times when I've been coming up of the bottom and I pushed a fish has fan past and I've gone, mm, I'm still good, you know. <laughs> yeah. And yep. uh, I chased it or had a look or something like that. And then you get back to the surface you go,
1: Yeah,
2: ah, that wasn't so clever, you know. Um and uh, yeah, it's just Sp- it's just not worth the fish. It's incredible.
0: Sp- Spanish are a bad one for that too, like you don't see oh,
2: when you're coming up It's yeah. terrible
0: for. yeah yeah, <laughs> they do it all the time it's like they're not even interested until they've seen you on the bottom and then you know you've spent all your time on the bottom and you know you're headed for the surface and bang the school comes out of nowhere and but you're moving too fast or your
2: gun's not positioned right or whatever you've got to be sneaky there man you yeah. must wait for your mates to start swimming up and then <laughs> yeah. swimming up, you must be swimming down
0: that's what i've been doing lately
2: but now, now now they're gonna be onto it though. <laughs> I've got a I've got a mate, he's sixty five years old, he shoots more Wahoo than anybody I know, yeah. and that's his favourite trick. Yeah. He waits for like I go diving with him and I've got a longer bottom time than him. So he just like sits there waiting for me and then on my I, I, I turn around to come up and every time I'll see him I'll meet him halfway. With a big smile on his face, and he'll go down and he'll shoot a wagon. And, like, how the hell do you do that? Yeah. Like, over the one day, I think he did it to me five times in a row. <laughs> Hadn't yeah, well, seen a fish that he shot five. Oh, wow. Sounds like a mate I go
0: diving with. He, he ties his flasher to my float and lets me tow it around <laughs> while he shoots fish off it. He's a great guy. <laughs>
2: He must uh, give you free beer or
0: something. <laughs> nah, nah, he just sneaks it on there. He knows I'm just going to power away, towing it for him. All day. <laughs> so he has a good laugh out of it. All right, Chris, we're into the uh, next section of the show. It's called Veterans Vault. Pirate Pete, where are you?
2: Arr! it's time to open the Veterans
1: Vault. Today's Veterans Vault was brought to you in partnership with Penetrator Fins. Spearfishing is all about self-improvement, but there are some things you can buy off the shelf that are going to help you with your diving. Penetrator blades are lighter and more reactive, and they've improved my diving, and I'm sure they're going to improve yours. Yeah, I've recently switched
0: over to Penetrator Carbons, and it's made a big difference for me. I put much less energy in and get a much greater output, meaning that they are an effective fin. They're lightweight and comfortable, meaning that I spend more time on the bottom.
1: So check out Penetrator Blades at Penetrator.com or check out our new Noob Spear Edition Penetrator Blade at NoobSpear.com.
0: So this is the part of the show where we ask our special guests to take us deep into an area of spearfishing expertise that they'd like to share about. So we call it the Veterans Vault and I understand that you're going to talk with us today about how to use flashes and burly effectively
2: yeah um this is probably something which I see guys coming especially on the trips that i do um and, we, and and it's the same it doesn't matter whether you you know mozambique or you know hunting tuna and and even New Zealand or whatever it is you know burly is is the one thing there's a technique to it and there's an effective technique to it you know I've seen a lot of guys they come and they just they they just burly the hell out of the place and um you know, thinking that more, more burly is better, you know, and, uh, um, that's not necessarily the, you know, the truth to the whole story. Um, actually, I, I prefer to call it pulling, laying a burly trail because that's, um, actually explains what it is. You're laying a trail, you're laying, laying a trail of breadcrumbs. Um, and when you're able to do that, that's when I think burly becomes really effective. Um, I'll tell you why putting a whole big pile of burley doesn't work is that um, that burley generally sinks very deep and then the fish just feed on it um, deep down yep. and they don't yep. have to, they don't have to come up. So you can maybe um, initially put um, a fair amount in the water um, just to sort of get things going. But the trick after that is um, to really limit it and, and, and lay a trail. So like just, when you, depending on the currents and the wind and how your drift is, you need to be able to look down and just see like a few pieces, um, just going off into the distance. So if a fish does come in and starts feeding on the burley, he's going to eventually land up, you know, eating all that burly okay. and having to come up close to you um, to the point where you're basically feeding them. Mm. And it's something which, um, you know, works especially well with tuna, um, I see guys like same thing. They are they using they they are they are using too much burley in one go, or they're too sporadic. You know, so they'll put burley and then they'll leave it for hot for like ten minutes and then they'll put burley oh, yeah. and you know then the fish go and feed on that clump down there when it gets deep. You know, oh, yeah, but yeah. they don't keep on the trail. So and it's a and it's a bit you know you know what happens is guys get lazy. Hmm. So burling is something that you've got to be constantly doing. Yeah. So like. Let's just say, for example, I'm on the flasher and I've got the burley bag and I'm sitting there slowly, like, um, you know, putting one chunk, wait a few seconds, put another chunk. You know, if you just sit there slowly, relaxed, you know, um, it helps, it really helps to chop everything up before. Yeah. I know sometimes we do do it in the water, but that's very, um, cutting burley in the water is, um, what's the word? It's, um, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's, ty- it's, ti- it's tiring. Yeah, you know, you're not really hunting. Um, you know, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. It's better to cut it up before and just put it into a bag. But the thing is, just to 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 let it go. But the thing is, now now let's say I dive, and my dive is two minutes from start to finish. You know, plus the time that I've left the bag and the whole lot, two to two and a half minutes. That burly trail is now stopped for two minutes. Mm. Mm. Yep. And when you come up, you can distinctly you can see there's a gap in the in the burley. Ah. And it's, if it's not too bad, the fish will find it. Um so it really helps if you if you if there's two of you. Yep. And while the one dives, the other one just keeps it going. Oh ah, really. you know, this is good. And then and then that way you keep the trail you, you if I find that actually the burley lasts a lot longer. Mm. So you use less burly through the day. Mm. as opposed to just like throwing whole big heaps and handfuls the whole time. Yep. Mm. You no, know, because just putting you know, a piece in, a piece in. And um, so your burly lasts longer. The trail's more effective. Yep. And your things like your job fish and your snapper, they yep. are really competitive yep. and aggressive feeders. So you can get a fish out of 50 meters of water quite easily because they're going to come up, they'll finish all the burley that's down deep very quickly and they'll compete the whole way up no, to five ten meters below you, yeah, and, uh, and it makes shooting those fish quite easy. Actually, when it when it, um, when they're feeding on the burley like that. Okay, so like
0: you've you mentioned burley bag a couple of times. Now I I haven't actually used the burley bag. Um, I, I know lime fishermen do it a lot. I haven't actually been out with guys. And seen them using yeah, it? Yeah, I've never seen it before. What, what, what sort of do you have? You got a brand or a type of burley bag that you recommend, or just like a an old sack of potatoes type style sack or something?
2: No, we started using, um, and I'm sure other guys do make them. Uh, Rob Allen makes a, a net or crayfish. Okay, it's probably probably a meter long, and it's made out of a sort of a uh, probably like a half or half to one inch sort of mesh yeah. kind of bag, fairly rugged, you know, for putting crayfish in.
0: Okay.
2: And that works quite well. You know, you can oh sometimes you can shake it and some of the burly falls out. You know, it's it's um yeah, they're very effective. And you can just I just put a clip on that and that just uh, clips onto my float. Oh yeah, nice. That's flash a float, yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: It's good. I think I've actually got one in the shed, and I've never ever used it. I've never seen a cray go in it, so I think now we're going to try that. We'll have to put it into use definitely. Um, all right.
0: What sort of fish or crustaceans or whatever? What's the material you're
2: using for burley? What do you What do you recommend using? Um, read it, it really depends on where you are and okay. uh, what's available. Um, for the most part, we just use fish carcasses. Yep. I just take a big machete, or you know. Um, what we call a cane knife. It's like yep. A, yep. just a really big knife and a board and, and just chop up the carcasses, the bones and everything. Um, obviously, it's not that's not the best burley. Yep. I mean, guys will go, ah, oh, you know, um, like pulchers or sardines make the best burley. Mm. Um, that is true. Um, but do you want to spend? You can't get, yeah, you don't want to spend the money. Um, yeah, and also, you know, it's the whole thing of you know, sometimes, you know, you know, you know don't not don't necessarily wanna be going and, and buying fish. Yeah. To catch, catch fish. Yeah. You know. You no, know, just the whole, you know Ethics of um, it. Yeah, the whole trawling thing and you know, um you know, when it comes to shooting tuna and you've got clients and stuff and the guys are paying, you know, and they pay stupid amounts of money for for piles of pearly, you know, they'll then you just buy um pulchards, you know, um Tuna, tuna specifically, really, really like um, you know, sardines or pilchards, whatever you call them. Okay. But you can okay. use any fish, really. Um, but it is like if you use the day before, it's carcasses or, you
0: know. In, um, in New Zealand, they love to use, you know, like um, sea urchins or what they call them, kina there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can use. I mean, I've seen guys using old cray frames and crab shells and
2: all sorts of stuff. So like no. anything that the fish eat,
0: you
2: know. Mm, cool. And then the um, the other other thing I was going to chat about is flashes because they early and flashes do go hand in hand because you're basically trying to attract fish, and um, just with flashes there's no right and wrong answers. Well, really, you know, there's um, but there are a few things that I've 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 sort of a few observations that I've made over the years, and when guys are making their flashes, um, it's always good to just take these into consideration, and the. I think flashes work best when they are realistic and not too big because what happens is I've seen it time and time again with big flashes or flashes that don't look realistic. It draws a fish in from far away, but then the fish doesn't come close. Uh, It kind of comes up to that as it gets to a point where, especially in clean water, where it sees the flash and it goes, "Mm, that doesn't look like a fish. Yeah. Hmm. or it doesn't look realistic or it's just acting weird it kind of <laughs> keeps its distance um, where I found if you using smaller um, smaller things on your flasher yep. you know, not such big discs and things like that or things that look realistic um, I found that the fish come a lot closer because they the the point where they go that's not real is a lot lot closer they, they need to get close so um, Making making each of the the um, little fish or whatever you put on there actually look real um is quite important um making something look real um funny enough um works really well when you put an eye on it so if you've got like a little fish if you've got like little fish that you've put on there like little silver discs or something, yep, put a distinctive eye on it because um fish that hunt you know they they ah uh, okay. They're used to seeing an eye. If you look at all the, look at fishing lures, you know, look at all the fishing lures and stuff like that. They've all got eyes. Some of them have even got oversized eyes.
0: Yeah, okay. With red,
2: bright yellow and things like that because the, 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 the the predator Mm. actually focuses on, focuses in on the eye. It's the same Mm. way that like, you know, like Karkop and things, I mean the jobfish, you know, or Wahoo, when they see your eyes moving, you know, that's what they're always looking at. they, yeah, These yeah. things, they you know, they always hone in on the eye. So, put an eye on it. But then, the most effective thing that I found, you can chuck everything away and just have this one thing. Yep. And and that is having what we call um, a buzz bomb. Um, and we make that out of a the inside lining of a wine box or fruit. You know, you get those five liter um, fruit juice boxes. Yep. Um, with a with a tap on it, it's like a, there's like a, a lining inside of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, they usually got cheap wine in them over here, mate. We know all about those. <laughs> we call them a goon cask <laughs> in Australia. Yeah,
2: that's that's yeah. that's exactly it. You can call it a goon flasher. Um, <laughs> so you basically take that, you leave leave the top side attached. Um, so you you, you cut the, the the edges off and make it into strips, yep. leaving the the top side attached. You just wrap that around a six ounce. Sinker and put a cable tie around it, and it makes like a like a silver squid. Uh, and okay. man, I've had, uh, if you go in, in pretty much all the, movie, the early movies that we did, we always showed at least one shot of a fish with its nose inside that flasher. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Spanish mackerel, they'll come and they'll put their nose right into it or bite it. Or, I mean, you lose them constantly because the fish just eat them. But that flasher, um, works probably better than anything else. So, yeah, I put that at the bottom of, uh, of my flashes and that's, that's a, that's deadly. That's a, it's oh, a little well, secret, right there.
1: We're going to have to get on the wine, then. I think, Chris, that's uh, that's our afternoon <laughs> gone. <laughs> Couple of casks. That's us. That we'll be good at interviewing then. I hope. We'll also, make a good float too. If there's any left over, yeah, that'll be
2: good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know that, that that flasher there doesn't just work for pelagics. It works for a lot of reef species as well. You know, even um, I've let them down and bounced it across the bottom of the reef, and the um, the grouper and things come out and. And follow it all, you know, all day. Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah, well, that's unreal. Yeah, so yeah, give that a bash.
0: Okay, Chris. So, um, just moving on. That was an awesome veterans vault. I got yeah. tons out of that. I've, I've got heaps of notes. So I'll have to do a decent write up about. You mentioned a lot of good stuff in there. Say, so, uh, change of pace. What's the funniest thing you've experienced out spearfishing?
2: Oh, you know, I thought long and hard about this as well. and I'm actually going to share a story that's not my story just because it's too bloody funny. (laughs) Um, So, and the the guys probably won't mind me sharing it because they've shared it before. Um, But anyway, um, I mean, it's a good few years ago. uh, Mates of mine, Sean and Evan, they go for a shore dive, typical South African fashion. And um, this was long before – the wetsuit pants were were sort of um, popular. Uh, Farmer John was a was a kind of standard issue, um, mm-hmm. especially where we lived. So, <clears throat> if you if you get out in the sea and you you need to, if nature calls, you <laughs> generally have a bit of an issue, especially if you like a k offshore, you know, and, and swimming back is just not an option. Yeah, yeah. you know, I think. Most guys out our way will, will relay some sort of story of, of uh, <laughs> having to get undressed, you know, and, and hang their weight belts on floats and stuff like that to try, yeah. you know, uh, to get their business done. Yep. Anyway, um, my mate Sean, he um, he had a bit of an emergency, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll put it this way, there was no there was there was going to be no time for him to be um, taking his weight belt off and tying it onto his <laughs> floats and taking his, his wetsuit top off and, oh. you know, the whole rigmarole. So he turns around to his dive buddy, Evan, hmm. with a knife in his hand. He says, listen, bud.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, this is going oh, no. He goes, listen, bud. Um, I
1: <laughs> you need to
2: do something. but You should do it gently.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
2: no. Oh. I'm oh, in. And uh anyway, so there's Evan um cutting cutting the ass
0: crotch. out of his
2: buddy's wet suit. Cro- cutting cutting a cutting this guy's crotch out on his wetsuit with his knife. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a delicate operation. <laughs> oh, oh man, good. and it's like oh the it's just it was just too funny. I mean when we hear these guys I mean, these are very really funny guys and they like relay the story of yeah. like uh <laughs> you know <laughs> Do it gently, you
1: know. Gently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been a good video to get on the GoPro. Oh, yeah. No, no not
2: really. I with the conversation, so. maybe. <laughs> just above
0: the water, maybe.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, that's a funny story yeah. from some South African guys. Oh, good stuff. That's I
1: awesome. Love a good
0: poo story oh, for our funny got one, don't
2: they? Oh, there's
0: always a, a good, good poo, poo story. story.
1: All right, let's uh, move on. Chris, we'd like to ask you um, at this sort of stage, what's in your dive bag at the moment? What brands, what guns? Um, yeah, what general equipment are you using? <laughs> You're going to have to point
2: me in a, in a closer direction. Before oh, well, well, okay. got, well, let's,
0: let's start with guns. You, you shot you shot an AJ yesterday. What
2: equipment were you using for the day? Uh, well, I'm Archie in Qatar. So when I came here, I actually brought minimal amount of equipment. Yep. So um, I, I just borrowed some some roller guns from um MJK. Yep. Um so yeah it's diving with a one point two uh Rob Allen uh handle and barrel with a power roller head um muzzle on it. Okay. Um uh, sixteen mil bands, pre tensioned all the way to the back with a seven mil shaft and I mean that's a a really a really good gun. I mean we're shooting pretty big fish. Yeah. Works well.
0: Yep. What wetsuit are you using? How warm's the water up there?
2: Well, it's mid, it's winter here, so the it is quite chilly. So I was diving in a um polar sub suit. Um yeah, really I mean, they make fantastic suits. What bit are... on the expensive a bit on the on the expensive side, but mm. um yeah, I mean everybody else was cold yesterday and I was I was uh <laughs> I was quite toasty, which was nice. Nice. So what five mil? Yeah, five mil. Actually it might be it might be a 5.5 um, okay. actually. yeah. Okay.
0: All right. What, what's one of those suits sort of set you back for a 5.5-bill polo? So... I'm
2: trying to – I think in euro they're about um, – I think they're about 300 euro. I know in South African okay. rands, by the, time you, by the time you bring them in and duties and all that kind of thing, yep. they're normally about five grand. Wow. Which is probably twice the price of what you can buy a Rob Allen for Wow mm. uh, It's probably not worth <laughs> twice the price
0: yeah
2: as, as a Rob Allen, because you know um, the the Rob Allen um, chickclay suits that they make at the local factory yep. um, I've, I actually i have I have some at home. Yep. Um, you know, I mean they're, they're top notch I mean they're made with Yamamoto material, they're made with the good stuff. Mm. Um, it's just um, yeah this that suit was actually a gift. Um, when I went to New Zealand last year with uh, mJk okay. so uh, yeah' it's just very fortunate you know. what mask and snorkel was your preference I use a um, a cressy nano um, um, I heard in one of the one of your previous podcasts that you you guys had also tried them out um, I just found that um, yeah that works out of the small masks that's yep. the one that fits me best there's okay. no rock with masks, there's no right and wrong because everybody's no. face is different, you know. So, mm. you know, whether it's a, like a Techni micro or, a, you know, one of the small OMA ones, you know, depends on your face, how that fits. I find that that fits me really good at slow volume.
0: So, so you're a big unit wearing a little mask. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a big? A big unit, big unit, big yeah. man. <laughs> With a tiny mask, yeah. <laughs> oh. That's how you use it yeah <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it so um or any other sort of notable gear that you'd really want to pr- promote like um like was something a bit unusual that you use that you know you think other guys could should probably get onto?
2: yeah, there's a few things, but it'd be hard to explain them all over just in a in a quick podcast yeah. no, no worries. Um, I have my knife on my my belt, but it's a the way I put it on is 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 fairly unique um okay. near the buckle. Um, you know, over the years, I've had my knife in different places okay. um, from my arm to my leg. But, you know, as you go along and you hear stories of guys getting tangled and not being able to get to their, their knives, yep. you, you very quickly move your knife to a place central, you know, that you can get it with both hands. Um, yeah, and I have, I have like um, hoops and, and some carabiners on my, my weight belt as well. Yep. you know diving yep. with real guns and and different things and cameras you know it's always handy to have attachment points so
0: i might just get a photo of your setup and um try and link that in the show notes if if, if you get a chance chris
2: yeah i could do that I i'll could, be cheeky uh,
0: i'll be cheeky
2: and push it eh? yeah no <laughs> i could take a i could take a snap and i'll just send it to you guys cool i'll, I'll link it up in the show notes yeah and then um yeah fins fins are diamond in in various fins depending on what you're doing you know um Obviously, the the thicker the wetsuit and the more weights I'm using, you know, the stiffer the fins will get. Okay. Uh, You know, and then if I'm diving deeper and lighter, you know, then the softer the fins will get. And then if I'm filming, you know, then, you know, pushing a a camera around, I'll either use um, uh, a fin that's got a little bit more um, thrust in it. You know, you might not be as efficient, but you need it. You need to have the, the ability to swim, you know, a big hefty camera around. Yeah. So uh, I've got a, I've got a, you know, over the years and having a shop and you know, s- diving with different people, I've been very fortunate to um, collect quite a vast array of of gear. You know, so a bit of a gear junkie. That's what cool. I said to you. Like, you know, pick, a talk day. send me in a direction. I'll tell you what I've got. <laughs>
0: If you're interested in finding out about any more of the gear that Chris mentioned in his dive bag such as the, like the roll balance handle, open muzzle, etc, you can check that out at spearfishing.com.au. And if you purchase anything, use the code noobspero to save $20 on purchases over $200 at spearfishing.com.au. All right, well, we, we might move on just because we're pushed for time. We might move on to the fast five facts for noobs. So if you were starting out all over again, what five pieces of advice
2: would you have liked to have had starting out? The very first thing I'd have to say is a straight spear. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, it's overlooked by most newbies. You know, the guys miss and it's just because they don't have straight spears. Okay. Um, as most guys have po- pointed out, um, a good dive buddy but um, a dive buddy who's better than you. And if you can't find one, find someone who you can pay. Like <laughs> whether it's paying for boat fuel and um, buying them a case of beers, you know, bribe, twist someone better than you to dive with them. You know, okay. um, only way you learn. Yep. Uh, sneaky tri- trick uh, when um, aiming is uh, if I'd learned this, I would have shot more fish. Um, don't over aim and rather just focus on the spots in the fish and, and almost like pretend you're going to poke that spot with the with a spear gun, and as you hit the as you can imagine, you're hitting the spot with your tip of the spear. Pull the trigger, and um, I found that the most of, e- the easiest way to teach someone how to um, hit hit the target time and time again. Love so it. if I'd known that, that would have helped. Um, cool. Don't get hung up on don't get hung up on big guns. Number four, okay. uh, a lot of guys come in, they just want the biggest and nastiest um gun and i always say to them the first thing you need to learn is got to be able to dive down with that gun so and then move it around so don't get hung up on big guns rather choose the smallest gun you need for each task you know okay Um, that that's that'll make you a far more efficient spear fisherman and uh, lastly keeping all your guns uniform so once you find a gun that that you like your other guns must follow suit you know? so same grip the muzzle must be the same so no matter what you pick up um you're never changing your the way you hold the gun and okay. the view down the barrel is the same on every single gun okay. and that way you can swap from a small gun to a long gun and uh, without any adjustments needed you know you just be on on target you know straight away it builds great confidence I oh, was that from first? was that, yeah, uh, that That was excellent points.
0: It was about as fast as I think you could do it, Chris because there's some pretty um, good points.
1: All right, so let's just uh, recap those five points. So we had get a straight spear. You're not going to hit a fish without it. Get a dive buddy, preferably one that's better than you so you can learn their their tricks of the trade. Aiming, don't over aim. I think you said something like uh, act as if you're just gonna poke the fish and um, and then take the shot. Um, don't get hung up on big guns. Big guns aren't always appropriate for your hunting conditions and keep the guns uniform. So, uh, if you're going to have a one meter RA, whatever, keep it all uniform throughout the whole lot of your guns. So one, two, one, three, one, four. I think that sort of sums it up. Yeah, you nailed it. (laughs) I was listening, you see. (laughs) Then, um...
0: That aiming bit of advice helps solve a problem for me. I've got a lot of stuff out of this interview, Chris. Um, I guess um, we're, we're a bit pressed for time because it's just a, you know, it's a short interview. But um, if if you would like our audience to take an action,
2: um, what would it be? Oh, hey, go and like me on Instagram. Check out stuff. Share some love. Share cool. some stories. Yeah. Sweet. All it's right. all good, eh?
0: And uh, so we'll link up your Instagram on on the, in the show notes and have some more photos, hopefully a bit of the photo with your dive knife set up and some of your carabiners and stuff. And uh, I might link up the Coatsman's blog as well because you've got some great content on there for our audience. So
2: Yeah, cool. Awesome. Hey, that'll be great. Thanks. Cool.
0: All right, man. It's been awesome to yeah. have you on the show and – I mean, like, yeah, like I said, I've got tons out yeah, of this. Yeah, I've got heaps.
1: The burling trick's a big one for us, yeah. I think, because that means we don't have to dive as deep out in that deep water. We can get fish up, which is a big bonus for us.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not, hot, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not dive harder and deeper. It's dive smarter. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely.
0: All right, so thanks so much for coming on the show, Chris, and joining us today. You got up really super early for us, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Nah, cool. Anytime, guys. Awesome being on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah really enjoy listening to uh, all your podcasts and uh, yeah great to be here thank
1: you thanks mate hope you enjoyed today's episode i sure did i love the the bit about uh hunting with noise i think that's awesome so i'm going to employ that next time i go out our next show is going to be part of our 101 series so no interview um we're going to be diving into a blog post that shrek has written about uh shore diving so That's going to teach you all about shore diving and how to read the conditions and look for the appropriate spots to go shore diving. So tune in for our next episode. Making the switch from plastic freediving fins to a carbon or composite freediving blade makes a huge difference. You don't feel like you're finning through mud anymore. Fatigue and soreness in the ankles goes away. Penetrator blades are lighter and more reactive, and they've improved my diving, and I'm sure they're going to improve yours. Check out the custom Noob Spiro
0: Octopus Edition at noobspiro.com or well, for the full range of penetrator fins head over to penetratorfins.com
1: Thanks for listening to today's show make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher to learn more about becoming a better spiro visit us at noobspiro.com and subscribe to our newsletter Turbo, why would listeners want to subscribe to the Noob Spiro newsletter? Well, Shrek, if they subscribe to our newsletter, we will send them the Noob Spiro guide to getting started, which includes the dive day equipment checklist. Not only that, you get the top 10 tips for becoming a better Spiro from the world's best and more. Ah, nice. I'm in.